Hello, 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 and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I am your host. Every week, every Wednesday and Friday, I bring you interviews of female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Caroline from, she's currently in Berlin, Germany, and Caroline is a prop maker, a costume maker, an art maker, she sculpture maker, she um, makes works of art and odds and ends for theater productions, for movies, for advertisement, and for other artists, and I know I'm leaving something out, but it was definitely amazing to get to talk with Caroline and kind of get into her world and learn how she got started and how she has turned this into such a successful business. So I'm excited to bring you Caroline's story today. Before we hop on in with Caroline though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Katie of Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Sven, Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom, Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, and Ellen, Little Bear Furniture. <clears throat> oh, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing and continued support helping me to produce two episodes a week, every week. And if you want to get your name added to this list, you absolutely for sure can. And you get to watch and listen to me list, let my cats in. Um, you for sure can. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution. And you can sign up there and get your name added to the start of the list at the start of every podcast, twice a week, every week. All right, no further ado, here is Caroline. All right. Well, I do like to have guests on my podcast introduce themselves. So would you like to do that? I can do that for sure. <laughs> so, uh, My name is Caroline. I'm 33 years old. I'm currently located in Berlin, Germany. And I'm a full-time freelance prop maker, sculptor, costume maker, whatever the heck people want from me, I make. So <laughs> Whatever right. keeps the lights on type of thing or... Um... Yeah, whatever. I, I, I always tend to say whatever fills the plate. So <laughs> mm -hmm. but, yeah, I've been doing that for like full-time job as a freelancer for nine years now so oh wow yeah so really um how has this like pandemic time affected you know work as far as that's concerned because i would imagine props are generally for stuff that's happening like in person right <laughs> yeah um it was kind of a weird one because i mean last year when everything like went downhill uh <laughs> Um, I still had like one major deadline that mm -hmm. I needed to, to reach. But uh, so when, when everything was stopping here in Germany, I still had like two or three weeks of like, oh God, I need to finish this. 
I can't like the streets are empty the stores are closed <laughs> it felt very dystopian but <laughs> um I was I was glad somehow that I could still go to the workshop and had mm-hmm. like a task to finish so that was nice um and then there was like a phase of I think two or three months where things like slowed down or were like postponed that mm-hmm. had been scheduled so it was it was kind of, it was a weird one because uh, I I had things confirmed and then they got pushed back and mm-hmm. I had a few weeks of like I don't know what's happening <laughs> but right. nothing too bad so it it was ramping up fairly quick, quickly again and I was actually happy to have sort of like a forced break <laughs> for yeah one. yeah uh, yeah that was well, nice I could, I could concentrate on like uh doing stuff at home or mm-hmm. doing stuff for myself or just like cleaning the workshop <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right all very important things yeah. um so I want to start actually with a pretty big question which is just to say tell me your story like where were you born and you know kind of growing up to like how did you get into prop making Ooh, that's a big stretch. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I'm here for it. My listeners will be here for it. Um, so I was born in the like eastern part of Germany when it was still divided. So in the former okay. GDR. Mm-hmm. Um, but like quickly after the wall came down and blah blah mm-hmm. blah, um, my parents decided to move into the western part of the country. So. I actually like sort of grew up there. I went there to school. And um, so in Southwest Germany, it's like one hour from Frankfurt. I think most okay. people know Frankfurt because mm-hmm. of the big airport and um, kind of close to the French border. So like that's where I more or less grew up. But I never felt really comfortable there. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It was just not my my area, I think. And how I got into prop making was basically just uh, the decision to be made after after school, I guess. There comes a point in, at school, right, when mm-hmm. you have to find on what you want to do later. And I, I pretty much knew what I didn't want to do. <laughs> and that was like, I didn't want to work in an office. I didn't mm-hmm. want to like do all the stuff that my friends or schoolmates were doing. I didn't want to study um, just because of, I think, money reasons, mm-hmm. because I, my parents were not that like rich, if mm-hmm. you want to call it like that, to, to pay student loans and rent yep. and stuff for me. And in my head, of course, it, it works if you work on the side, but somehow I, I didn't want that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I, I was never very fond of like, I didn't like school too much because of several reasons. And so the just the idea of going to university and having like a similar surrounding again, mm-hmm. like, oh, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just want to work and make money and go to another city and mm-hmm. um uh, so I found out about that that particular job um, more or less by accident because the town that I grew up in was very small and my parents also were not like that that much into theaters or like mm. cultural stuff or art at all. 
So I never had like a like a direct connection growing up. Like so, no exposure to no kind no of that we, world. No, we never went to the to the theater or anything. Or like my parents are just not interested in art. That's mm-hmm. not, not a thing. And um, but I always liked to draw and like craft stuff in the garage and. So that that was always the thing. I I I loved that, and I loved um, making costumes for myself of like my favorite manga characters and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that, that was a bit pretty big deal as a teen for me. And um, yeah, but then I I found out that I mean you can actually make money with that, and that's like a proper job. So in mm-hmm. Germany we have this apprenticeship scheme mm-hmm. where you have three years of training at um, like a proper job site. Mm-hmm. And um, I applied for this apprenticeship all over Germany, like at different theaters and eventually got uh, one in Berlin. And that's where I'm still at. So it was three years of part like theory training and part practical tra- training, but I was, um, I was basically in a workshop every day of the opera and there I was taught like the basic skills of sculpting and prop making with like various materials also mold making and blah 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 it's a lot but it's a <laughs> lot yeah into, into like a, a short summary of how that started did you still do like costumes in that with that apprenticeship too like were you still like sewing as well uh, no, no, okay. I, we weren't taught sewing. I mean, I, I taught myself sewing because, again, my, my mom was also not into that. But I think I got my first sewing machine when I was like 10 or 11 or something and just like crafting stuff for myself. I always loved that. So mm-hmm. um, that was like something that just came out of myself it's not like someone dragged me into it but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, all, it was all, all, also tough because I could not ask anyone for help or like mm-hmm. I had to figure it out all by myself but um I mean with the with the costumes it's it's interesting because it's now um a mix between the sculptural aspect and the sewing aspect because mm-hmm. um now I mostly do like those like big elaborate uh, animal costumes if I make any costumes so mm-hmm. it's partly sculpting and partly like the fabric work yeah right I, I love yeah. that I really enjoy that <laughs> so um I mean how did you find like do you remember how you found out that this was a proper job like that prop making was a proper job something you could actually apprentice for and do well, I, I mean, I knew that it was a proper job, but I always thought that it would be like um, you would come from other trainings or just mm-hmm. like jump. I don't know how to call it in English when you when you're not trained in a specialty, but you come. I mean, like you could, self-taught. Um, yeah, self-taught, or you maybe you you study sculpture or you study mm-hmm. art, and then you find your way into the movie industry or something so it's like mm-hmm. not a direct path but um it's still valid of course um but germany is all about uh having something written on paper that <laughs> you are trained in that so it's like 
okay let's do that <laughs> also it was for me it was the, the best decision because as an apprentice you get uh, like a minimum wage so mm -hmm. um i could i could pay rent from that it was not a lot but i could actually like maintain myself mm -hmm. you could uh, be become independent like yeah from yeah, the yeah. start kind of yeah and i mean i did before I got the apprentice, I did about, I think, nine months of, like, unpaid internships. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, working on the side for, like, very, very low prices. Like, I don't know, I got, like, five bucks an hour for working on a, at a bakery and stuff like that. So, it's working a lot on that side and then doing the internship so I could actually get into the uh, apprenticeship um yeah that that was the way to go i'm i'm glad that this is actually changing now and people <laughs> i think people get paid nowadays for the internships at least if they are like longer than a few weeks mm -hmm. so they they have to be paid by the company but back then it was just it was a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it so yeah, yeah i got that and then after the apprenticeship I immediately wanted to be a freelancer I don't I didn't I don't know I, I just wanted to work and learn more because the apprenticeship is only so much it's like just a tiny part and just the basic skills and yeah so okay yeah let's I guess let's talk a little bit more about that like what was it about going out on your own versus like looking to work for, you know, like at the place you had just apprenticed for? Well, um, I mean, the, the opportunity was not there. Um, we tried to, um, so I, we actually tried to um, get myself into like working there for another year or so, but it didn't work out. Like they, mm. they couldn't hire anyone. Um, so I was more or less like forced to look for something else. And I I didn't want to be stuck in that environment anyways, mm. like, like like for, for a long time. So mm. I don't know, it, it it somehow it felt natural just to to jump jump into the freelancing. So I mean it was tough, of course. I mean you have to find customers and you have mm -hmm. to take that uh, step into the door but um, I was even during that apprenticeship I was starting to like do some little side jobs to make connections with people and um, mm -hmm. yeah it's not like it was a, a complete uh, um, it, it worked from the beginning that's mm -hmm. not the, that's not the case but um there were good times, there were bad times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess share with me a little bit about those, I guess, the early years of like, how do you find clients? And um, I mean, were you on social media right away? You said you've been freelancing for nine years. So I don't think Instagram's been around that whole time. Trying no. to think of when it, yeah. Um, I mean, so how were you finding clients 
or um so the the thing is that even back at the opera um they were always hiring freelancers for like four weeks or something when a bigger project came in so for the first years that was kind of a like safe place to go because they were um i knew that i could always like not always always but i'd I had some some kind of safe spot there mm-hmm. to um, to reach out whenever I needed a job, and they were like, "Oh yeah, let's see what we can do for you." Blah blah blah. So I would actually work at my old workplace, but um, like not permanently. It was right, right, maybe four or six weeks in a row, and then um, that like two or three times a year or something, mm-hmm. um, and. As I said, I made I made a lot of connections um, due to um, like musicians and friends of mine who were like starting out as filmmakers or stuff. So I did a lot of unpaid work as well, mm-hmm. just to get the name out and to to get more references as well because you need to establish a portfolio at some point. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of like free work just to fill up my portfolio I guess and then eventually like one thing came to another you do one job for one person and then they recommend you to someone else and yada yada it's, mm-hmm. yeah. also we are very lucky that we have um, like a big movie production studio close by mm-hmm. um, so I was working there from time to time I mean it's not the best like working environment but um, it's good to make connections and mm-hmm. that also helped a lot and yeah is I guess is Berlin like Germany's Hollywood I don't I don't know the answer <laughs> to that I mean is that where a lot of if you're making German films is it usually coming out of Berlin mm, I, w- I wouldn't say so I mean we oh. have uh, we have like three or four big movie mm. uh, productions um, all over Germany. So, mm-hmm. but one is near near Berlin. I think that's that might even be the biggest one where, okay, um, like even the the Hollywood stuff gets made. So, gotcha. They they, they recently um, had the co production for the latest Matrix movie mm. there, for example. So. Um, yeah, they are they are pretty big, I guess, but um, it's not I, I it's not Hollywood now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just I mean I was trying to think of I guess a reference that would feel something. Yeah, but for I mean it. I mean uh, Berlin is is a is a creative city, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm not limited to only theater or uh, movies. There's mm-hmm. also like a lot of a lot of advertising advertisements that get mm. shot here or like a lot of artists that need stuff to be made. Hey makers. So today's podcast episode is sponsored in part by Alicia Van Osdahl, who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos, and branding. If you have an idea or concept that and need a creative solution or graphic design, you can email Alicia directly at Alicia, and that is A-L-I-C-I-A at basilblue.com. 
or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com. And fun fact, uh, Alicia actually designed the logo for Crafting a Revolution. So that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for. So be sure to look up Alicia again at her website, basilblue.com. All right, let's get back into the action. So I do a lot of like commission work for other artists mm -hmm. that are not, I guess, capable of doing it themselves. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not necessary. Um, to be honest, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of that being a thing until you know, maybe six months ago with having another guest on uh, yeah, it's who, weird, right? who shared that. I was like, really? Like, I thought kind of like if you're, if you're designing something as an artist, like you're making it. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, but, that, that's what I would think as well, yeah. but apparently not. And I'm like, do you, don't you feel like I, <laughs> if, if I were an artist, I would have wanted to make it myself right. and then I'd give it to someone, but I'm not complaining. I mean, no. I've had some amazing jobs for other artists so that's that's really good and I want to I guess I guess I want to make sure that I'm defining some things the same so when you say like sculpting are you talking metal sculpture work or are you talking other material mediums that you work with uh so I mean sculpting is a very like broad yeah term for a lot of things so I'm not sculpting in metal I'm not sculpting in stone um, I'm not sculpting in wood. Um, it, it depends on the job. So I, I might be sculpting something in clay, for example, like either oil-based or water-based clay, and then make a mold of that and then um, cast that in silicon or mm -hmm. some polyurethane or something else. Um, or I might be, like what's really common in my job in particular is uh, sculpting in styrofoam mm -hmm. because it's very lightweight and um, it's that's that's mainly what people use on stage. Mm -hmm. because it's super lightweight, it's super easy to work with. It doesn't need to last for a hundred years. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, that's that's a very good material to work with. Like good and also not good because it's, it's a mess and disgusting. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, you can't, you is. can't, you can't, uh, uh, I mean, the, the price is just, it's so cheap. Right. Yeah. Um, when you're doing things for other artists, what are some things you're working with there when you're helping them, I guess, realize their design? Um, what do you mean? Like, like, are you, is that like, are you doing sculpture work for them or what kind of work are you helping other artists with? So they're always there. There are very different kind of like commissions, especially when it comes to artists. Some have like just basic vague idea of what they want, which I find super weird because in the end it's your work, right? It's your art. It's not, you should know what you want, right? Yes. <laughs> Um, but then they come to me and then they describe this idea and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I have to make like a little sketch or even um, like a sculpt a small maquette or something. And um, then we will review that or something. And 
sometimes they come with uh with a finished like 3d model on their computer maybe or just a, just some drawings or it's really mm -hmm. different but um usually the stuff i do for artists is like overdimensional stuff so it's like really really big so it makes sense to have like a small model made mm -hmm. first and then go from there and then make the bigger picture i guess yeah yeah is there it's like so, it's so it's, it's really hard to put it like in one <laughs> or two sentences because i do so many different things right. it's like not, no project is the same <laughs> right <laughs> which is awesome i love it so. <laughs> yeah i mean what are like yeah what are some of your favorite what's some of your favorite type of things to work on um in the i think in the past like a couple of years, I started working with uh, silicon more mm -hmm. and more. So uh, making molds and then casting something in silicon. And I love working with silicon just because of the, the, the feel of the material. So it's a total different medium to work with. Um, it is. Yes. It's flexible and you can, the, the painting techniques are very special. And, um, but you, you get so much out of it. So um, that's really fun to work with. And I'm still at the very beginning to figure everything out, but uh, I would love to do more. And I also, I think the, the thing I enjoy the most is really is the, the animal fur type of mm -hmm. thing. So what are, I mean, what are those being, I'm looking at some of them now on your Instagram. <laughs> what are you making those for? Usually is it? the animal ones is that so going it, in are, are is the are the animal ones like what are those usually going into are they like movies or theater or just general so costumes there's, yeah there's uh, the costumes for most part are um i think so far they've all been for some kind of commercial advertisement stuff Okay. Or, to, or as a as a mascot for for a company or something. I made a I made a guinea pig hat a while ago that was <laughs> awesome, and it's like the mascot of um of some company. So it it always <laughs> pops up here and there, and that 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 was really cool. Um, but there's also like there there are the costumes, and then there are also the um, like the fake dummies. Mm -hmm. I guess you would call them. Mm -hmm. So you have to replicate an animal that it's like laying dead on the street or something for a movie, but it has to look realistic. So, <laughs> do you do you ever stop and go like, huh, like this is real? This is what I get to work on every day. Like I don't every day. <laughs> that that every thought day. comes to my mind every every fucking day. It's like. <laughs> Like even when I just start researching stuff, it's like this was my life, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's amazing because it's it always leads you to the most absurd situations and stuff you would have never thought about before. And mm -hmm. I think that's the the part I love most about it. It's like no things are ever the same, and you get to learn a lot just by by your job. So. So, okay, 
<laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to the learning part, but I have to ask this question. What's the strangest thing you've ever had to make? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to think. <laughs> um like design wise. Mm-hmm. Uh I had to make when was it last year or the year the year before? I lost track of like time with all the COVID, yeah, COVID stuff. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like had, it feels like 10 years ago, but yeah, it was really yeah. so just 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. was... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I had to make this giant pig like creature, which with <laughs> I think what I think that it was for an artist and um, I've worked with him before and the, the creature was called Piggy Piggy Growl Growl or something. <laughs> it was this massive plushie uh, with which like it was just a it's hard to describe. You have to look it up on my website. <laughs> I guess. But it's this massive like over two meter tall um, pig head stylized and they had printed out like the, the the front teeth of a of a tiger or something okay and <laughs> so it was this all like really really cute big big black eyes stuffed creature and then it has had this weird grin and the whole head was sitting on something like a a cushion which was supposed to be its body and had three meter long arms <laughs> and I mean I mean I loved every second of making it because it was it was fully made out of like flexible cushion foam mm-hmm. um, so I made like a little maquette and then uh, developed um, what do you call it sewing pattern from that oh mm-hmm. so I could I had this giant pattern in my workshop laying out and then transferred that onto the foam and then mm-hmm. glued the foam pieces together and in the end I had a three-dimensional object <laughs> and coated that with the um with the pink fabric mm-hmm. and uh, inside the the body and the hands if you want to call it like that or arms uh, mm-hmm. where those tiny styrene beads Mm-hmm. so it, it was just weird from start to finish but <laughs> I, I loved it it's it, it was such a crazy idea and I mean that's that's the thing I love about it because I myself um figured out that I'm not a good designer at all like I don't want to be an artist mm-hmm. um but I love looking into other people's brains and into their ideas and then just execute them. So mm-hmm. this job is perfect for me. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want? You want a, a, an egg costume? Okay, I will make you an egg costume. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever the fuck you want with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta imagine... Like I'm trying, I can totally imagine you being like a guest at a dinner party and somebody going, what do you do for a living? You're like, well, like last year I made this giant stuffed pig with tiger teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's always weird. And I always, 
I had had situations where I made like um, dead animal dummies and had to travel with them in a suitcase to another country. I was like, oh, please, I want to get checked at the airport. It would be so funny. <laughs> Never happened, though. Never happened. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> um, okay, so I do want to ask about the learning. So, yeah, when somebody's coming to you with and you're talking about like all this kind of research, I would imagine, especially when you started out, like if they're coming to you and it needs some new technique, how are you learning about like how to do those things? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I taught myself a lot of stuff like uh, via YouTube, I guess, um, mm -hmm. But not by watching like particular channels or anything, but just picking up bits and pieces here and there. So um, even if now if I'm watching like the the big maker channels, I guess if you mm -hmm. would call it like that, there's always something you can pick up for them. Even if you're not woodworking, you can still mm -hmm. there's there's some some hint that you can yep. just grab and execute for yourself then. And um, yeah, it was just trial and error, I guess. So a lot of, they are like, um, I mean, for example, with the silicon stuff, there's uh, the Stan Winston School, which offers like in-depth courses of mm. a lot of materials. And that was fun and, or just working in, in other people's workshops and then asking them or, yeah, it, it comes over time. I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of knowledge about a ton of materials. So mm -hmm. um, it's not just like one, one thing right. that I have to learn, but it's a lot of, a lot mm -hmm. of stuff. And I'm not um, particularly fond of like anything. I know a little about a lot, but <laughs> I'm not like specialized in anything. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would love to have the opportunity to learn more, but then again, every project is it's different so right I mean I guess like this question may seem odd but it's like how do you build in that experimentation time to a new project like how do you build it in as as a time factor and then how do you cost like how do you charge for I mean because essentially you're probably not for every job having to learn something new, but like if a new, like when you were just starting with the silicone, right, that might be a good example of like, that takes experimentation a lot of times, something like that to really kind of dial into what will work for something. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm most of the time, the deadlines are very tight. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking on a lot of risk. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when I, when I sign up for a job, I know that I'm putting myself in a risk. So like nine times out of 10, I will, in the end, I will cry in a workshop and just be overwhelmed with stress, I guess. But <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Like mm -hmm. I've never had it any different. And um, I would love to come to a point where Oh, actually not. I mean, I like the stress. It's like a positive kind of stress. Um, mm -hmm. I love I love working and I don't mean to glorify that in any way. It's just mm -hmm. 
what I what I do and who I am. Um, but I I like the pressure um, in that way. So, and I also I think I know what I am capable of, like at this point in time, mm-hmm. and what I what I cannot do. So even if it's something that I have never tried before, like a particular uh, technique or material or something, I know if if I can pull it off. Haymakers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, And also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action i'm going to assume though that took time to learn what you were like what you felt confident in doing even if it was something new versus something you don't feel confident in doing yeah 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 yeah, for sure and I mean I I'm I failed a thousand times so mm-hmm. um but I also learned that most time the pressure I put on myself is like way higher than what the client expects from me mm-hmm. so um yeah no I'm 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 making myself more pressure than I need to but because um, other people like I mean if if friends look at my stuff or people that have like nothing Mm -hmm. in depth to do with that they always they always think it's great they always Mm -hmm. like sugarcoat it and um I'm very um I don't know I don't know how to say it (laughs) um I'm very neutral Mm-hmm. looking at my work I guess so I can I can take the step aside and look at it from an outside but professional perspective mm-hmm. and say if it's good or not and mm-hmm. most of the time it's not up to my standards <laughs> mm-hmm. so even though the client is happy and everything I yep. always am like ah oh, yeah but it could have been better been better yep <laughs> which comes down to the time factor because like the I'm I'm usually like my my deadlines are so tight that there's just not enough time even if I would work 20 hours a day to make mm-hmm. it more perfect so it's the best of what I can achieve in that time frame yeah. I guess yeah and I would say you're probably even though you said you you don't necessarily want to be an artist I would say you, you're an artist at heart in that sense that your own work never meets your own standards um yeah but at the same time I am not precious about anything that I do so I'm not I'm not sad to see anything go out of the out of the door like mm -hmm. even if I worked for three months on it and I really love it and um the the client paid for it (laughs) that's my job it's gone 
right? So I'm. That I mean that that's probably what it's um, it's the difference between an artist and a, a crafter or whatever you may call it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not it's not my like intellectual property that I'm giving right. away. Just yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 weird because of course I want to be the job or the work to be acknowledged and appreciated in terms of like uh, let it be credits in the movie yeah. or whatever. Right. That that always feels amazing, of course, but. Um, usually I'm not the, the top person, like I'm working under someone. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not the limelight person at all. I don't want to be uh, mm -hmm. on stage or something. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, has there been a time where you weren't able to like get it to a point where the client was like, yes, you know, that's great. I'm going to just take it like was there ever a time oh yeah several times <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no I had I had several setbacks of course how and do you how do you I handle that? that I still feel that every time because I mean if I'm not satisfied how do you sell it to the client as hey mm -hmm. it's good, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um it happens and then you have to bite through it I guess and mm -hmm. never work with that person again or <laughs> I mean, there, there have been there have been both ways. There have been clients that I certainly will never work with again because they were assholes, and mm -hmm. they there are I bet a lot of people that never want to work with me again because either they found someone better or they just didn't like the work that I that I did, or mm -hmm. it's just the way it goes. But um, I'm not too saddened about that. So I mean, at the after. After all these years, <laughs> like I'm 100 years old. No, I mean, I am, I currently, I am at a point where it's uh, going on by itself and I can, I could eventually like pick my clients or pick my mm -hmm. projects. And that's what I've been working so hard for, for the last years to come to that point that I have basically more jobs than I can handle. Mm -hmm. So that's a very like comfortable position to be in, but I made a ton of sacrifices to get there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. So if you're at that point, probably maybe now more so than before talking about understanding your own, you know, skill sets, how often do you turn down work? Cause it's something that falls outside that skill set. Mm. that's hard to say I mean I I often turn down work because I simply don't have the time for it mm -hmm. or uh, the budget is too low um but yeah I mean there there's stuff that I simply can't do I mean if they're asking for like a full animatronic dinosaur it's <laughs> walking by itself I'm like sorry I, I don't do animatronics I have no idea how this stuff works um but I can also always like refer them to people that can do the stuff and then maybe we find a way to collaborate on that so one does the sculpting part and one does the other part or whatever mm -hmm. um but 
yeah, it's it's a hard question to answer, I guess. And I mean, I'm I'm what I said about I'm in the position that I can pick my projects and clients. I'm saying that now, but I'm also very aware of that it's it doesn't have to stay that way. Mm-hmm. So that's just like the current state. State. Yeah. I, I also know that maybe in six months no one would call me anymore, and I mm-hmm. don't have any job. So I'm I'm pretty aware of that. It's, you never know what's coming next. <laughs> There's no stability at all. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's see. Does that, how do you balance that with like, well, it's something you love to do, yet it's to your point, no stability there? Mm, I don't know exactly what you're referring to, but I'm, I mean, like, I'm pretty good at, um, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm fairly good at managing my finances in a way that I have enough on my bank account that I could survive a couple of months even without jobs. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I choose the, the stability within the uncertainty, I guess, <laughs> in a way that I try to make sure I have, I have enough backup Mm-hmm. that I can support myself and also if anything everything goes to shit and I don't know the next pandemic hits and we're all jobless and no one wants to see movies anymore um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't be too precious about just taking on a regular job and working as a cashier in the next hardware store I guess it's mm-hmm. that yeah yeah. like the, the working or this job is not everything I think there's there's like so much more in life I mean mm-hmm. I, I love that I'm able to do that and that I'm um that I got to the point where I can support myself and um I'm very independent from everyone and um but I also know that this doesn't have to last forever and it's okay right mm-hmm. so. I will keep on doing it for as long as I can, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I also, as I said, I wouldn't mind like going back to a regular job, I guess, like a mm-hmm. normal, normal job and right. just, <laughs> just do that as a hobby on the side, because at the moment I don't have any time to do my own projects. So yeah, yeah, always that balance of making your hobby into a job, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what are, what are some things that are like your projects that you don't have time to do right now <laughs> um well I, I i always i have i have a list of stuff that i want to make oh uh, it's there are so many things that i want to try out and i want to get in depth into like certain materials or techniques or something that i just don't have the time right now to to practice um i have like one costume laying around for about a year now which I hope to finish this year (laughs) because it's very like precious to my heart and I just want to see it come to life and um but I I try to make time for certain (coughs) personal projects so Mm -hmm. for example last year I did um I did a little charity project that I really wanted to pull off which I delayed for a year as well. I wanted to do it the year before, but then stuff happened. And uh, so I managed to do it last year and um, that was a success, but uh, 
yeah you, it doesn't always work out mm-hmm. yeah do you you talked about berlin being like a very kind of creative area so do you have like other people in your your friend circle that's like does something similar or has a creative career as well oh yeah 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 a lot of people i mean i uh since i am here like my main like circle of friends they are all more or less in the creative fields mm-hmm. so there are a lot of like professional musicians and uh i don't know 3d artists or whatever like mm-hmm. all the kinds and um we are all connected in a way that I also know like um, most of the people that do the same as me. Like it's just within the the scene, I guess, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it like that, you know each other and um, you know that if you have a job that you can do, who to call. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you built this business essentially on word of mouth before social media was big. Now you're, I mean, now you have social media, obviously. That's how I got connected with you was Instagram. (laughs) Um, But I guess what role do you see that social media plays kind of in your work or just in general with your life? Mm, I mean, I have to say that I, I have been on Instagram, for example, with just a private profile for, I don't know, seven years or something. And mm-hmm. uh, back then it was the basic, um, I don't know, post your lunch picture mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing uh, with those weird filters. And yeah, it looked like shit, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how Instagram started. Yes, and I yeah. mean, before that, it was Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. And I have, I had a, a website, I think, since I started the business, I had a mm-hmm. website. So that was always good to refer to just as a portfolio. And I mean, what I love about Instagram is uh, it's easy access. It's, it's changed over the years as well. It was much nicer, like a few years ago, uh, without all the weird algorithm stuff. And <laughs> When it was still chronological, that was nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could just scro- like scroll through and just get to a point where like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. And then mm-hmm. you were up to date. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's not a thing anymore. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good way to connect to people and to interact with people. And just, um, I think it somehow replaced the classic website to a certain extent because everyone's on Instagram so they will just search for your name and then they have the your portfolio in front mm-hmm. of them so I use this uh, business account if you want to call it like that like solely for portfolio reasons mm-hmm. to to show up stuff that I've made I like rarely ever post any personal stuff on there because it's just I, I don't think it's the, the place for that mm-hmm. and if it's like a public profile, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. like get myself out like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's good. I don't know where it would, uh, it will lead to, and I will probably 
I, I don't want to jump on every trend so I don't want to make TikTok videos and stuff like that it's, mm -hmm. it's just not my kind of field I guess <laughs> also with YouTube videos it's I mean I, I know a lot of I have a lot of friends who do um, YouTube videos as well and some of them also for a living like Laura for mm -hmm. example and I just know that this is not my my area that I want to expose myself in so mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love to share um, my my knowledge and stuff that I made with other people, but I'm not, I, I don't want to put my face out there like this and be a YouTuber and mm -hmm. explain things that's, that stresses me out too much. I don't feel comfortable in that. Well, and you don't have to, right? I mean, that's kind of yeah. the be beauty of the building the business the way you did on essentially word of mouth like you don't have to have those things to yeah, bring, I, I, to bring I, clients I, in yeah I mean as I said it's always about finding out what you are what you yourself feel comfortable doing and also what you don't feel comfortable in doing mm -hmm. and I know that I don't feel comfortable in standing in front of a camera and like explaining stuff or Mm -hmm. filming myself working I I love working by myself with like no one watching and have my own pace and um that's the that's the beauty of being a freelancer and um I mean I, I work at the most absurd times a day so mm -hmm. I I found out that I'm actually really <laughs> comfortable in getting up at 5 a.m and start working and other people are more comfortable at working at night and Of course, that sounds much cooler, but that's not who I am, unfortunately. <laughs> I like the daylight and I need mm -hmm. the daylight and uh, I get tired at night. So, <laughs> Yes, whatever works best. Like I am a night <laughs> owl, but I am definitely not a morning person. Um, <laughs> but little kids will make you a morning person whether you want to be or not. Oh, um, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No matter how early or late they go to bed, they're still up by 6 a.m., damn it. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm paying attention to our time, so I do want to give you a chance, though, to let people know all the different ways that they can find you and follow along with you um, and all the crazy, crazy things that come your way. <laughs> Yeah, as I said, the best um, place to follow me, though, if you are on Instagram, is my Instagram account, which is Caroline with K and E and uh, Hints, which is H-I-N-Z, so all written together, mm -hmm. Caroline Hints, and um, my website is the same, just okay. dot, dot com, so... I have a few YouTube videos if you search for them, but it's, <laughs> it's mainly just uh, a bear dancing and <laughs> not much else. Not much else. Okay. Well, I'll definitely include links for the Instagram and website in the show notes so people can find you and, again, see all the cool things you get to work on. And um, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Really, I'm really honored because I really appreciate all the work that you put into. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that.
All right, again, that was Caroline from Germany who joined us today. And I'll include the links on how you can follow along with her and see all the amazing pieces she's coming up with in the show notes for today's episode. So you can find those in the description for today's episode on whatever podcast app you're listening on, or if you're watching this on YouTube, just look in the description down below for those links. Also, you can find every episode of the podcast from even before it was called Crafting a Revolution. You can find every episode of the podcast over at freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast. Super easy. So if you enjoyed today's episode and really want to help the podcast out, make sure that you hit that subscribe button, share about it with a friend, head on over to iTunes, definitely head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, say what you love about the podcast. That helps more people find out about the podcast and get to hear the amazing stories and journeys of these makers. When I'm not making podcasts, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor over at freemanfurnishings.com and at freemanfurnishings across all the social media. I'm active on a daily basis, though, over on Instagram and TikTok at Freeman Furnishings, and that's where you can see my latest shenanigans and what I happen to be building on the bench at the moment. All right, we're at the end of our week going into a weekend. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. And as always, let's craft a revolution. Solution for the toxic masculinities. Pollution is the constant evolution of a broken institution. So here's our resolution. We're craft a revolution. Revolution.